Welcome, everyone, to the 10th episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. Uh, I'm Dan Kozell here with uh, Nick Tartaglia. Nick, man, these are, uh, these are crazy times, eh? I don't even know what to say anymore with this stuff. <laughs> I'm kind of, it's, it's crazy. You look at the capital landscape, you see so much hope for millennials because of the stuff we're pushing forward with, you know, like esports e- and all those things. And then you look at our society and how we act as people. And it's like, well, I just lost all hope. Again. <laughs> and I like, I, and I get it. We, we don't want to get cynical, but I feel like it's kind of sort of the disconnect between the stock market and the, uh, the people and the, the society. Yeah. So basically wall street versus main street right now, because, um, yeah, what, what happened this past week, um, is pretty, yeah, it, 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 it got me a little riled, like just, angry but frustrated um about what's going on to our neighbors in the south i mean we do not tolerate racism at all um what happened was unacceptable i think you and i can agree with that um yeah. but you know we're, we're 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 gonna move from it um i'm we're just a lot of stuff happening right now that i don't think any of us envisioned like back in february when we were talking about getting our first episode launching nobody uh, if you told us that we were going to be in a pandemic lockdown and then you know, riots have and rights and just the, the chaos. The chaos is insane. It's on yeah. another level. It, it, it is. It is. This feels like Grand Theft Auto in a way. We're supposed to be getting the whole purpose of generational development is that one generation builds, teaches the next to then continue and push forward onwards and onwards and onwards. There's so much disconnect. You have the economy pushing forward, but it could push so much more forward if everybody was on board as a society together. Then you have people going out, destroying their cities as though money is going to be coming out of nowhere. But at the end of the day, government is going to have to use tax dollars to fix these things. So if you want to change something, do it effectively. Don't do it where you're digging yourself a deeper hole that will then become a problem that all millennials are going to have to deal with down the line because it will become our problem. Yeah. And th- this is a, uh, I mean, these are, these are, it's nuts. I, I don't yeah. know how to say it, but you know what? We're, we're really going to focus. This episode is really focusing sort of on the future. Yeah. And this is the new gen, the new gen mindset. Um, a definite uh, millennial trend as well. A huge millennial trend um, with regards to just esports, And yeah. the landscape right now has boomed because of the lockdown. Uh, more and more people, uh, older you know, people as well, some Gen Xers are coming in here. Obviously, the Gen Zs are part of this as well with the millennials. But um, we're seeing a s- significant increase in user time and you know gaming time. I'm personally myself, I'm not a gamer, but same here. I think the guest that we have um, has been in the space for a few few years now. He's an active gamer, uh, big crypto enthusiast, and one of the things it relates to the economy. Yeah. It relates to yeah, one of the things, and I think the one thing that he said at the end that kind of stood out for us, even for him, was just like, you can do anything, you know? And anything is possible if you can just put your mind to that, to that perspective. And I think just talking to him and just getting to know Evan, who's a personal friend of mine, and I think, you know, you guys are going to become acquaintances and obviously friends eventually too. Um, there's a lot of stuff that this guy has done that he can fully confidently say, I think he's going in the right direction. And the, the, the trend that he's using too is, is really impressive. Like the, the company landscape and the, the service uh, on the cloud that he's offering as well. Yeah, absolutely. People have to, uh, when people, when you look out into the world and you start understanding the comparable between the, the landscape growth of esports versus traditional sports, traditional sports has always had its, has always had its audience, but the audience doesn't necessarily grow beyond that of its population and its ability to connect to the network. Now you're looking at esports. Esports is something that is driven purely by millennials. And as millennials are getting older and older and having more and more of an impact on the economic landscape of things, you can see it literally following aside by our side. In you have in Asia, you're like Asia, North America. I know there's, I know there's already a university in the United States. I forget which university, but I already know they offer it's a they offer a scholarship. Well, I don't know what they're doing anymore there with this whole COVID, but I know they offer a scholarship for sports uh, gamers, and they have their own arena for people to come and watch gaming events because that is huge in China, Asia. Yeah, 
This is a this is a growing industry. This is going to be a hundred billion dollar industry. Um, probably is at this point. I mean, I don't know what the exact number is right now, but just looking at the trends for the next five years, um, the opportunity and it, is massive. It, and this, as it gets, as this is going to continue moving forward, it's only going to start tapping into the younger youth and the youth and the youth more and more. So, and it's still in its infantry in terms of how deep this can go, because you can still be looking at virtual reality connected to this gambling. The landscape of gambling could completely change. The, the way we go about interacting with other athletes and esports, every there's so much things that are going to develop that you have to go long on this. So if we're going to talk, if we're going to talk from an investment perspective when we're looking at esports, which is all growing trends are an opportunity. Now, I don't know about you, but for me personally, the way I'm, the way I would approach this, and the way I am going to approach this, is the fact that one, you can also have direct exposure to esports by owning, let's say, like Sony and Microsoft, because they're two of the big boys, and they have direct exposure. Now you can also touch ETF. Now an ETF, there's two good ETFs I know. One of the largest ones, it's a Espo, is the ticker, and the other one is a Nerd. Those are two ETFs. Nerd. Nerd. Yeah. Nerd is a little smaller in terms of assets under the management. Uh, Espo has about 225 million. So they're the biggest one to date. But the good thing about the ETF related to esports is that they're going to be, they're a little cross sector, as in they'll touch tech companies like AMD that help with graphics. They're going to touch companies that are international that you might not necessarily will have exposure to, like Tencent. You'll have exposure to potentially Microsoft. Companies related to space, whether they're small or big, an ETF is a nice way to kind of scatter your exposure without having too much risk because you're betting on the sector itself, not necessarily an individual company, which is something you, how you should consider when approaching a growing and new emerging industry such as esports. Yeah, and I think this is sort of the... Um, this will be, this will be the, 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 the generational sort of shift as well from sort of the fourth industrial revolution, or in this case, we'll call it the informational yeah. because this is what it really is. And it comes down to data. It comes down to data points. It comes down to connecting people with personal devices. I think everybody yep. on this plan, at least everyone on this side of the world has, has some form of a smartphone, a smartphone, excuse me, of something. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll segue right into it. Um, they're based in Montreal too. Uh, the company is hypex.gg. He is the CEO and co-founder. His name is Evan Ryer. I hope you guys enjoy this interview. All right, we've got uh, a local beauty. He's actually a very good friend of mine. A uh, little segue intro here for, for our audience. Um, huge crypto enthusiast. Um, he started his entrepreneur journey in the crypto space, um, worked with Crypto Terminal as the executive director, built and marketed CryptoTerminal.io um, and had a Bitcoin mining operation out in his apartment uh, before he realized that it almost blew up the entire corner. Um, <laughs> and he later moved on to become the director of crypto asset management with Catalyxy. Uh, so pretty much developing audit procedures for crypto assets. Uh, and then he took this level of expertise and shifted to an area that we believe too is booming right now uh, in the space of esports. Uh, he's currently the chief executive officer, one of the co-founders of HypeX.gg, uh, which is a social gaming platform. Welcome to the New Gen Mindset podcast, Evan Ryer. Thanks, Daniel. Really appreciate the introduction. Um, Pleasure to be here today. So I think the, the, the theme of this episode is going to be pretty straightforward. Um, we talked about crypto, maybe talk about what you did there and what did you learn from that side? And then how are you applying it to this new business venture that you've been obviously kicking ass with? For sure. Really funny enough, I was, I was very keen um, on my education in accounting. And I, I bled and cried for that accounting degree, ultimately to, to work at a subsidiary of an accounting firm. So Catalyxy was a subsidiary of Raymond Chabot Grant Thornton. Um, and at the time, I was a, a small scale miner. Progressively, the price of Bitcoin began to take off. You know, I, I realized I, I didn't necessarily have to conform to that rigid academic path of accounting as we, we saw a lot of growth in the space. Um, 
I left at one point and began to, to really concentrate on my passion of Bitcoin mining, building out some, some different operations, some leveraging sustainable energy to, to heat malls and commercial facilities, but also building out large data center style Bitcoin mines with both ASICs and, and graphics cards. And I gained access to just the substantial quantity of graphics cards, which very quickly became obsolete in the, the Bitcoin space. Um, and the companies that I've been working with, you know, wanted somebody to take them off their hands. And I realized, huh, I could gain access to this hardware at pennies on the dollar, and I could likely use it in, in another industry. And, and my first idea was gaming. So to play, you know, a little background, if you want to play a high quality video game today, you require a, a strong graphics card. Everybody knows that. that. That's the engine of your computer right now. And people don't have access to that. Most people are, are running on laptops, they're running on you know, 2000 era desktop computers. They don't necessarily have $3,000 to spend on a computer. But what we can do is we can outsource those expensive components related to, to video gaming and actually stream the game to the user. So if you're able to load a, a YouTube video, now all of a sudden we could stream the video game that you're playing. We're running it on our computer in our data center and you're seeing it on your computer and, and adding those inputs. Um, very quickly, some large competitors emerged in this space like Shadow Tech, Google Stadia, um, GeForce Now. And as a result of that, we decided to, to consolidate the operation and project. But with this strong background in gaming and technology, we knew that there was another way to really penetrate the, the space. And that was the birth of Hypex.gg. Nice. So there was a lot of application there that you're bringing. To <laughs> can, I, can I ask a question about the streaming part of it? Um, so when you say that, so you're basically what you're saying is like you're streaming through the cloud and basically you're giving them access to the cloud. So none of the processing has to go through their own individual computer. Exactly. In our data center, we had all of the components that you require to run, you know, whatever top of the line game and our CPU, our graphics card, all of it would, would render the game, stream it to your computer, similar to a YouTube video, and you would be able to play as long as you were in the appropriate range of the data center so we can offer you that low latency connection. And if you're playing a game like Grand Theft Auto or, or a solo game that isn't online, we could offer it to anyone in the world. But the second you introduce that, that multiplayer level, you need to ensure that there's a very low level of latency between you know, the user and the input, because even a, a fraction of a second will decide the victor of a game. Yeah. Interesting. I know, I know Microsoft, for example, Microsoft a year ago, because I follow Microsoft very well, and they have a whole gaming division, especially since they own Xbox, right? And uh, I know they've been focusing on creating kind of like a Netflix of gaming, that's, where you just have an account. Pitch. Yeah. So you have an account. The titles. You're able to scroll through the titles. You could click on any game and you could play it. Um, the complications come around licensing, you know, similar to Netflix, you know, previously we all had to own a DVD or VHS copy of that actual title. Um, how do you disperse the appropriate commissions on those game titles? How do you pay for licensing on those games? And um, it, it opens a, a completely new industry and, and that is cloud gaming. And it, it's a really exciting type of technology because now anybody with any type of computer can play any game. So the, the barriers to entry are so much lower many more people can come into the gaming space all of a sudden. And you can all, it becomes kind of like offering like a package, cable package in a sense, right? Where you can have this package, you can have this bundle, you can have that bundle, and you can play the way you want to play things. I know, um, so I'm going to refer back to Microsoft. I know the way they were focusing on that. Well, in order to go forward with that, they ended up buying like three uh, gaming companies to bring under them to fully automate their gaming sector so they can go full pit into it because you i have to admit like people have to admit it's a huge like even netflix has a show now where it's all about it's a it follows um, it's digital yeah but it's all about there's digital a, assets right that's what you're referring to or either for the, the the netflix thing just just in general right this is this is the new thing of just acquiring well yes on the cloud everything anyway everything in general is going to the cloud that's the yeah. fact so it's a normal progression it allows you to connect faster but like just to give an example that netflix is moving forward there's a show on netflix that relates to i believe it's japan or south korea where what it is it's this guy he's part of this team and they're their rpg fighter their team and he gets kicked off his team and now he's trying to rebuild his character 
to reconquer the the industry. So now shows are being made out of this. You don't like it's becoming as if you're an athlete, as if you're anything else. Yeah, and that's what's interesting about I think what Evan, what you're doing right now is this is it's creating a new generation of revenue streams that nobody thought was possible when we were younger i think our parents made fun of us they're like you're not going to be a professional video gamer and like (laughs) you know we're sitting at the tv playing gta for like seven hours a day right twitch came along now this is coming along it's just everything's changing in a good way there's a lot of implications when it comes to cloud gaming and the ability for somebody to use a low quality hardware to play a you know a major title of the game if you you can imagine many people are bored and and boredom leads to you know it leads to crime it leads to violence um when people are bored that's that's when bad things happen at, at yeah. the end of the day 100%. and by being able to preoccupy people with you know a relatively productive technology and um, could, could solve a lot of the unhappiness that, that people are experiencing and this is on a global scale and if you know put the political social aspects aside from a technological standpoint to supply this type of technology, which is clearly the future. People will need to build out a lot of infrastructure data centers in in proximity to the the individuals. And this is a a greater incentive to actually fund those projects. So it's low, low latency data centers in places where you would never put them. Um, You know, you have Bitcoin mines, for example, in the middle of nowhere that are leveraging sustainable energy and land and infrastructure from, from some historic business, like a, like a pulp and paper mill, right? Because it could generate electricity. As a product of that, these guys built out a data center. One day, they may not be mining Bitcoin anymore, but somebody else could come step in there, build a data center, offer a low latency connection to all of these rural communities, you know, immediately giving them access to something they didn't have previously. So it's very interesting. The investment potential is crazy. The applications for technology, people moving away from retail graphics cards, right? I don't necessarily have a reason to buy a $1,200 um, you know, 1080 Ti graphics card for my PC if for $1,199 a month, I have access to one through Google Stadia or, or one of these other competitors. So it affects everyone, even like the retail side, the, the hardware manufacturers, the people that have inventory. The of whole supply products. chain. Yeah, the whole supply chain the is The whole affected. supply chain is affected. Um, I know it's interesting about, and you know, I've been to your office. You've, you guys are growing a really good culture there. It's a very good, good, good spirited team that you've got going on there. And I think you've been at sort of this for close to two years now. Um, there's obviously been a growth that we haven't seen in the last I think since the lockdown started, there's been an increase of gamers of about, I think, 30 to 35% um, than, than, than what we see on, on like normal, normalized, right? So um, how are you guys adapting to this? And, you know, just given this trend, now the momentum is starting to pick up because everyone's been locked down at home. Like, what, what, what are you guys doing now? And what do you see with this going forward? So... We're a gaming company, and I, I know I, I haven't touched on it too much, and I'm happy to dive into in detail. But as a gaming company, you know, th- this quarantine has resulted in an all-time historic high of concurrent gamers. Never before in history have we seen so many people online at any given minute. M. And it was felt on a global scale. People, you know, people were commenting, you know, the, the, the Call of Duty servers are very slow. Mm-hmm. obviously they're very slow there, there's been this significant pickup people who didn't play video games before have actually picked up a remote and will be gamers going forward because they discovered a new hobby as a product of this websites like my own platforms like my own anybody in the, the video game space or even online has experienced this, this huge push in traffic and us ourselves it, we saw a 50% increase in, in daily active users in an incredibly short period of time for people marketing, you know, in the, the past four months, it, it was a great opportunity to, to get your brand in front of the eyes of people that previously were never scrolling their phone that long or on their computer for that long or looking at a screen. It's, it's yeah. nuts. I mean, like the, the whole industry is just shifting away. I mean, sport real, let's talk like real sports right now are it's, it's temporarily gone. You know, so like, I think, like you said, the two things that people are looking for, and again, I'll speak for like myself and people who are our generation, like we like, you know, we like to invest. So we're obviously going to look at day trading. 
We like to gamble. So that's another component. I guess you could put it in that or you could shift it into to gaming and video games, right? The, the part about entertainment and engagement, the, the fact that traditional sports and what, you know, the, the everyday media channels were broadcasting um, kind of just disappeared out of nowhere. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody was, the conversation was not about, oh, what's going to happen to sports? Um, it was, how are we going to protect ourselves and remain safe in these trying times? All of a sudden, as a product of that, we realized there will be no more, you know, retail entertainment for an extended period of time. And people found themselves scrolling Instagram, going on Facebook, and you know more than ever, and that, and that gets boring relatively quickly. You have to find different ways to you know immediately entertain yourself. We're attention and, seekers. Yeah, we're we're attention seekers. We're attention seekers. Our platform is designed to really appeal to the three categories of people that you find in traditional sports. So you have the athlete, the content creator, and the audience member. The athlete is the guy, you know, playing in the NFL. We're watching him from our couch. And then by definition, that makes us the audience member. The content creator could be anyone from the news broadcaster to me and you, you know, posting a tweet after the game. Oh, that catch was amazing. And you can immediately see that there's an overlap between these three profiles. You may play football, but you're not in the NFL, right? You may watch the game and also blog about it. So you're a content creator, you're an athlete, you're an audience member by, by definition. Um, but one of those profiles will always speak to you more than others. We drive incentive and functionality in the form of cash money reward and incentive clout. The two things that users, you know, gamers, athletes, audience members, content creators, um, those are the two items really that they're, they're looking for most and we offer it to them. In, in varying functionalities. If you're an athlete, you could participate in our competitive games or our social games to win a, a real cash prize. You can advertise on your profile itself. It's like the back of a hockey card, but for you as a, as a, a specific gaming athlete, you can see your KD, the, the various ratios. Um, you can see your total earnings as a gamer in specific tournaments. For the audience members, it's a much easier way for your the people that you're a fan of to actually notice you and be able to, to interact with you in a much more engaging fashion. So as you can imagine, by having that type of functionality and incentive in these, in a time like this, when people are really looking for that additional level of thrill and entertainment and engagement, it, organically, they, they just kind of flock to the website. That's hmm. uh, like, I just had like an epiphany of like, okay, this is the digital asset age, you know, every little detail that goes into the, some kind of you know video game competition or like you know a Fortnite or you know whatever halo like i'm not a gamer i'll be honest with you you know but what i've realized is that there is so much uncovered value in this space that i don't even think most people have uncovered yet right so you're kind of like at the forefront you would say you're like an early adopter at this point when it comes to the technology that we leverage we're definitely an early adopter there there's been really the best way to take it back is, is i'll explain to you how we function as a company you know we we are an esports tournament and and wagering platform for people who participate in skill-based wagers or events um similar to basketball or or hockey you know you can all leverage the exact same equipment the only thing that differentiates you from another player on the ice is obviously the skill that you bring to the table in a video game, we're able to monitor all of the external chance variables. So me and you may be on the same hockey rink, but the ice may actually be different where, where I'm skating and when you skate over it. In a video game, we can make sure that all of those external variables are always consistent. So really the only thing that, again, differentiates me and you is our skill. And I can even make sure that the environmental factors are consistent between the two of us. Using API-based API technology, we're able to integrate into the games themselves and pull this data in real time with 100% assurance to make sure, again, that users are competing against each other under these consistent variables. So this type of technology only really became available with modern gaming. And as you can imagine, on your GameCube or, or even on your Xbox 360 and your Xbox One, for a lot of these games, there's no reason to make that data publicly available. And yeah. now that it's publicly available and we can interact with it through API, we could organize it in a meaningful way to create this type of technology. Okay, I have a question for you. So 
for the leveraging of your platform, let's say so. Could you so is there is there a gambling aspect to this that you're creating? There's no gambling. Okay. Gambling would infer that there's an element of chance, like the roll of a die. Okay, so here then, could you do like you know how people have like a fantasy football, but they don't actually partake. Everything is outside factor, right? So could you on your platform would you be able to do something? For example, we're all um, we're all gamers. We all want to make our own team. We want to wager against another team. The winning team wins the pool. Is that available through your platform or is that something that's possible or that exists? On our platform, you can never bet on anybody else okay. but yourself. Okay, only on yourself? Only on yourself as an individual. Okay, so it becomes a one-on-one -on -one type thing. Exactly. Okay, could it expand into a team-based scenario where you could- 100%. Pull? Okay, perfect. So you do that. All right, and then let's say the cash prizes that you give out. How, like, is this something that you incentivize to like sponsorships or is this like, how do you provide the cash outs? Like you get to try to say from an accounting perspective, because I did. So, from, so they have, based on the tournament, yeah. um, well, there's two types of functionality. Let's say if we're talking on the, the competitive gaming side for the athletes specifically, athletes are here. They want to compete against other people to build their clout and, and get prize pool money. Um, okay. It's free to enter tournaments where you can play against other players of which there's a, a cash prize distributed to the top one, top three, top 10. There's pay to enter tournaments, you know, so for, for X dollar entry, um, you know, you're, you're participating to compete against these other players for a much larger cash prize. In addition to that, you can create your own wagers and, and wager them against you know, specific players on rules that you're all in agreement with. It's cool, I really like that. So your revenue model is based off of taking a cut of that transaction, of those money, the money going around. Is that the revenue model? There's, there's multiple revenue models. And I, I wouldn't say that that is the revenue model. And okay. I'm happy to, to dive in and provide a, a much deeper understanding of what you get when you build something like this. Um, we're looking to facilitate the gaming experience. So people are already participating in these tournaments. They're already committing these wagers. They're doing it in a very unsecure setting where you know, regularly, if you, you can't do this with a stranger because there's no guarantee or assurance that you're actually gonna get paid out or somebody will keep mm -hmm. it. That's the first problem. Second to that, there's no organized or streamlined way for these users to create this tournament and come together and watch it in a very engaging way. Um, so we brought both of those things to the table. But when you have gamers, you, you say gamers, it's like saying sports. Somebody who plays basketball is very different than somebody who plays hockey. Their, their, their training regiment, the brands that endorse them, and the technology that's used in the industry. So as you can imagine, when it comes to video games, somebody who plays Fortnite is drastically different than somebody who plays CSGO. The, the average Fortnite player actually is, is above the age of 18, around 24 years old, um, you know, male from North America. Somebody who plays Fortnite versus somebody who plays a game like Call of Duty or PUBG, we can create some, some assumptions about them that as users, they're more into streetwear versus luxury goods. We know what colors speak to them. Um, I know what their age is. I know what type of computers they're using. Are they on a, a Mac-based computer? Are they on a PC? What peripheral devices are they using? Are they using a Logitech keyboard? Are they using a Corsair okay. RAM? Okay, a quick, 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 before you say it. So I feel like you're leading down like a data play at the same time. We're definitely running down a, a data-driven advertising route. Okay. So what you can imagine with this type of information, I could, I get in a it. dynamic way, target users with advertisements that are meaningful to them. Um, in the simplest way, I can offer, I you know, keyboards and keyboard-based tournaments. You know, players that are playing on PC where it's only keyboard and mouse. And on the, the much more detailed way, I can ensure that users that are 24 from Canada that are into these three specific games that may be interested in muscle cars are the only ones that see this specific Subaru advertisement. And so by leveraging no, data, I get it. I get it. To actually push, you know, products and advertisements. Okay. No, honestly, I like that. I like. I didn't even. I did. I hadn't even considered that there was a data play to be played in this. But hearing all that, I definitely get it, especially when you're looking at the niche of like computer gaming and anything that's related to consumer goods that could be relevant to the sector of gaming. 
I, it's definitely cool. I, is there a possibility of including, so you know how before you said the security aspect of it is questionable because of the fact that uh, could cryptocurrency be something you, you create? For example, you create your own currency within your own ecosystem. So people to come into your platform would require their own currency. Well, what they would create would require your, your ecosystem currency it's, and it's then to token. come out. Yeah, it's yeah a exactly. Token. It's a token. Exactly. Are you asking, is that something I would do? Or is it something you could have thought of? Or is it something that's out possible out there with your platform to create more of a secure? So like the, the technology, the concept of tokenization. Um, this is, this is the interesting. existed before, before, you know, this, this blockchain Bitcoin bubble. And I am the biggest fan of Bitcoin, right? <laughs> so he's got the Bitcoin sign in the back. <laughs> I, I would never suggest using blockchain technology or, or some form of it if you didn't necessarily have to. Um, it is very common practice in businesses to, to tokenize different assets so that they're much easier to track. Um, so one thing you can do is, you know, be it dollars or some sort of onboard currency is leverage that functionality for your own auditing and assurance purposes, which is the right thing to do. It's not a cryptocurrency by, by any stretch. Yeah. So that's it. So like you would create your own token within your own ecosystem. Because I know companies, because like when you're looking at the big guys and you're looking at the fact that cryptocurrency is a thing that everybody talks about, but then it becomes, if I want to have control, I should then within my own ecosystem, create my own token or my own crypto. I guess I'm not entirely sure which word you would specifically go with, but within my ecosystem, I have my own coin. So when people come into my economy, so let's say, let's say Microsoft has its own economy. Okay. So anytime you enter my world, when you're engaging with my products and you're interchanging with my supplier, this and that, you have to use my currency. So when you're playing a game of like call of duty and you have to have like call of duty gold coins, um, again, that's a marketing ploy. Like the premise of why they do this is because you can only buy them in increments of, you know, let's say 1,000, 2,000 and 5,000 and they strategically price things as which you'll be left with a balance where you could almost buy something, but you can't to hopefully push you to, you know, create that secondary purchase and, and this vicious cycle of you spending money on their platform. Um, it, they don't do it for, for auditing purposes. Yeah. It, it, more bang for their buck. Okay. But is there a way you would, or this is not something that you would even consider because it just doesn't make sense. Something that interests me at the end of the All day. All right. Perfect. The, the, again, the, the concept of tokenizing assets on a software for, for better monitoring and tracking, that's widespread and, and good practice. Um, introducing a cryptocurrency is not, not of interest to me. <laughs> All right. Perfect. I, I, ICOs are a thing of the past, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. Exactly. I remember that whole thing. <laughs> well, yeah, because that and that's sort of uh, I know we're getting a little off topic with regards to like esports, but I know that ICOs were probably like the biggest scams from like the last like three years. People were getting frauded left and right. There was one coin, Evan, you would definitely know this, like puppy coin. It's just like the ICO, the ICO is in, insane. For those of you that don't know what ICO is, it's initial coin offering for, for cryptocurrencies. Yeah. But um, yeah, the, 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 the coin literally shot up like 10,000% within the first like month uh, because they, people just liked the name or like it was doggy coin or something. I don't, I don't remember what the specifics were, but it was something ridiculous. There was um, all kinds of, of ridiculous things like that. And I'll, I'll give you a good transition, ICO to eSports. There you go. We have a buddy, um, Gabe, who built Geyser, geyser.io. He's one of the co-founders, um, video game-based mobile application. And they did an ICO for their Geyser token for, for an esports-related product. And, but inevitably, you know, given the, the ICO environment, they have to be very careful about how they use that capital moving forward. And they were one of the companies that did a really good job of actually deploying a product with the capital that they raised, which is the, the Geyser.io platform, which is a video game um, esports tournament organization platform for mobile games. And it's absolutely awesome. Hmm. Interesting. A lot of esports talent here in Montreal. Yeah, no, sure. we, we, we definitely do. We're, we're slowly, I think we've already been a tech hub, but uh, the, the location that you're at right now seems to be booming with, with all kinds of new types of technologies. Um, for you guys going forward, I mean, like this, this, this really is, esports are here to stay. It's not even a question anymore. The fact that you've got CNBC, Bloomberg, you've been having discussions about it almost weekly now, uh, just proves that. What's, what's the next step for hypex.gg? Yeah. 
for us, we've, we've been A-B testing a lot of functionality for some time. Um, you know, we're on our, our fourth order iteration of the software. Every single time it's been optimized for, you know, for consumer habits and, and functionality to maximize user experience. At the end of the day, that's the most important thing to retain your users. We're really concentrating on user acquisition. We know that, you know, it, it's a serious race in the, the esports space right now. And I'm looking to, to build out the, the largest absolute, um, you know, like a potential for our company as, as it is. Um, and to do that, you need to acquire a lot of users. You know, so I, I would like to for a million users over the, the next few months. Um, you know, we're, we're deploying our, our version four platform, which integrates a, a lot of new social functionality. One thing we really want to concentrate is, you know, one thing we really want to concentrate on is the, the content creator. So I, I told you about the, the functionality around tournaments and wagers for the athletes and the social gamers. Um, when the athletes are playing these games, you can watch them stream, you can watch them play, but the, the content creators are a different breed. These guys don't necessarily consider themselves athletic, but they're influencers in their domain. Um, they're entertainers, they, they like to engage with their audience. They're, you know, they, they're the, the, the middle point between the audience member and the athlete a lot of the time. These are the guys commenting on the events. So for them, what we built is this functionality around as they produce content, it would aggregate into the hub that is their profile and our, our newsfeed. So be it if you're creating YouTube content or posting tweets or you're posting on Instagram, all of that content will exist in a centralized place, making it a lot easier for you to you know, build your following and, and drill engagement across these venues. We're dispersed a lot across a lot of social platforms, right? You're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you're on Reddit, you're on Discord. And, you know, sometimes you're snapping clips on Xbox and those exist on your, your Xbox account. You have a community on your Xbox or your PS4 or friends that you play with. So, you, you know, if you really think about it, you're in like 10 to 20 different social circles and social channels at any given moment in your life. By creating this one central hub for this content and this engagement, it's much easier for you to, to really demonstrate, hey, like this guy's 100,000 Twitter followers, but he only has 1,000 Instagram followers. And... And you can kind of balance out that type of demographic that you may have across those social channels. The audience members that see you on these channels can interact with these posts. The more they interact, you know, the higher and more recognized they become in your fan base itself. Um, so that's the type of functionality without going too deep. Um, sure. And, and we don't we don't want to give we don't want to give the listeners too much juice but you're exactly. if if you were if you wanted to like like if you were going to speculate let's say 10 years out where do you see you guys you have to take into account that everything is shifting and it's part of uh, a plan so like have you projected yourself out like a distant away i'll tell you i see us still in the market yeah. and okay. why that is such a relevant point is because in the technology that we leverage it requires yeah. a lot of human capital resources and a lot of very strong brains on the yeah. legal front. Um, this space is still developing. The concept of skill, skill-based wagering um, is a fairly you know, new concept because people you know, weren't doing it previously. They, the more, the larger the frequency of participants, um, you know, the greater the regulation, they, the more eyes that will be on it. Um, people don't have a legal footing. A lot of people in the space that are trying to leverage the technology aren't, you know, complying to the, the necessary documentation associated to it. And we do everything in our power to do it to, to the absolute T, um, you know, following every single rule. Compliance. Every compliance. Like, it, it's more than compliance. It, okay. it's, it's passion and dedication. Okay, that's, um, that's forward thinking too, right? Because you're trying exactly. to, you got to differentiate yourself. People, it, it's very expensive. It, there's no question. And it's very expensive because you want to build something that's universal, but every single game has a different publisher, you know, or there's a handful of publishers, yeah. they all have their own rules. So by being compliant to their documentation, by having very strong legal partnerships for us, we work with Lazarus Charbonneau, which is the foremost gambling firm in Canada. And, you know, we've created this path for ourselves to really grow in this space while the other guys, you know, won't have the capital, be it human or financial to, you know, to stay running. Yeah, and I think there will be consolidation. There, there will be. There will always be, especially in every new industry. There's always consolidation later on. I would also say though that you know, and this is just the whole idea of 
what Nick and I are doing is the whole mindset thing. If you're going to do something, go all in, you know, if you're not, if you're not going to be serious about it, you're not going to, it's not going to grow into something. So the fact that you're taking obviously the time and process to get this done, to help you guys stay differentiated through this next decade and through these next two decades, hopefully um, just shows you kind of the, the mentality that's required. Or maybe get bought out at a massive premium. Yeah, which I think, I think, I, I think that's, that is the dream, I think, right, Evan? There's nothing wrong with the it. dream. In, in building what we were building, we started with the concept of betting, and we didn't have the legal footing at the time. And that's when we integrated the, the social concept. Um, just in case, you know, you, you have to have something to fall back on to. Because the, the technology is applicable in both domains, be it competitive gaming, um, be it, you know, sharing of, of social content, the, it's not such a big pivot for us. And as we extended in both of these domains, you know, progressively branching out with different functionality, we realized that, huh, we can maintain all of these things, integrate them into, into various revenue models, and worst case, worst case, if we can't maintain one of them, we have the rest of them. So you're adaptable, you're flexible, you've, it's, uh, well, honestly, good for you, honestly, I'm, uh, you can hear it, honestly, you, you can tell when people, you can, when you have a conversation with people, especially about things they want to do or the projects, you can tell just from the way they talk and everything they say, whether or not you, you can, you would bet on them or not. And I give it to you, you definitely sound like you know your stuff and that you put a lot of work into it. So I applaud you for that because it's rare you see that, especially with us being millennials, I find it's really rare to see that nowadays, that people go haul Edmonton. The hardest to motivate generation of, of any, I'll tell you, we started my basement, a partner, me, me and my co-founder, um, we grinded out for months. We brought on our first software developers, two students from McGill. I'm, yeah. a, wit I'm a witness, by the way, just saying. These guys <laughs> work their ass off. But go ahead, sorry. We, we brought on our designer. We brought on more developers. It was too big for my basement apartment. We got our <laughs> office in the, the Chateau Saint-Ambois in St. Henry. Um, aggressively scaled our team. And I, I'm sitting here in our office on a Saturday. There's, there's six people here plus me, seven. Um, grinding on a dream. And these are guys aged you know, 20 to, to 30 years old. Hardest to motivate generation, but they're passionate about the project because the revenue models are tangible. We've seen such accelerated growth they, they, and the engagement that we get from our community. The users themselves, like seeing the users signing up every single day um, and the community that we have on Discord and, and seeing their messages, it's, it's otherworldly. It, it's awesome. very easy to wake up in the morning and come awesome. grind for this future. I, I Is every, yeah, go, 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 go. I was just going to say, I think this hits sort of like what should drive people every day right like and i think evan's like a really good example of this is if you have something that you're passionate about it shouldn't be hard to get out of bed you know and i and seek people I, and seek people too and i, I don't want to get like cheesy and stuff but like i find our generation like millennials particularly like so i have some friends that are just like man like i don't want to get up i'm like what are you passionate about what do you want to do? Like, what are you passionate about? And that, that stuff takes time. You know, you just got to do things. I think Evan, you did like probably like 10 other businesses or side things that you had before like solidifying and saying like, this is what I want to do. Right. You just like, you stuck to it. You're like, I'm going to chisel here, chisel there. Like, and then let me just see where this goes. Right. And then you kind of just finally found it. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I dropped my, my path to HypeX, but the truth of the matter is, for me, the greatest measure of, of success is failure, you know, and yeah. I have a lot of failures under my bet. My bet. Yeah. I tell people all the time for just the equity landscape alone. I go, you want to learn how to invest, accept that you are going to make a lot of mistakes yeah. and every single mistake you make is going to be a big lesson. Assume you go in knowing that if you make that mistake, you better learn as to why you made that mistake. A hundred percent. And I, I've gone into things, build companies every single time getting a step farther, you know, you, you get to your first obstacle. Oh, you don't, you don't have money. Cool. So you, you try again, build another business. You have money. Oh, now I don't have people. Um, I don't know the, the, the legal environment. I don't know the supply chain. And then progressively, you just get farther and farther. And the, the problems that you face get bigger and bigger and more expensive and harder to triumph. Um, but at a certain point, you hit this threshold and you're like, well, now I, I have everything. I have, I have all of the human capital. I have people of every discipline, design, development, business, you know, analytical mindsets, everything. And, and now it becomes about scaling, right? And then it becomes about scaling. 
That's and inconsistent and consistent. Yeah, I had some really good ones. You know, I, I thought were really good that didn't work out. Um, uh, I love it. You know, I, I, I really love it. Each one of those companies that failed was definitely, you know, the, the greatest lesson that it, it could have provided me. Um, the hardest part about doing things like that is people will always look back at you and be like, oh, he's doing another thing. Like what happened to, what happened to that other one? You know, and they, they'll always kind of put you down for being those, there, always trying to build something new. Um, those are the people, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you because you're, you're on, you're yeah. onto something here, but those are the people that you just got to look at them, smile and just keep going. And if they're going to hate on you, use that hate to push yourself even forward. It's because they don't have anything going else for themselves. So they have to see it. It's like, it's like, I know a guy who was talking about the construction industry and he was saying to me, he was literally telling me, he goes, everybody in the construction industry seems to enjoy when other people are suffering because they're all miserable. So they just want everybody else to be miserable. Yeah. I mean, that's just him talking about his misery, right? No, that's it. But that's what I say. He goes, he goes, he's talking about his father. Don't say his name. Please don't say his name. We no, don't want to call him was, out, but I'm just saying, he, like, he, that's you know, just the reality. Talking, he was talking about his father. He goes, he goes, all they do is complain. Of, they're always fighting. Everybody's arguing. There's always this. But at the end of the day, if you have your own shit, that was just a specific little comparison. But like you said, you don't, there's, if you have your own shit going, you're so focused on your own stuff that whatever you're doing, I don't care. If you get, if you're doing good, good for you. If you can collaborate even better. Um, other than that, do you, I'll do me. It, it's just the nature of, of how people are, you know, and I, 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 I'm not one to say you should burn bridges with people, you know, Absolutely you, not. you take notes on everybody and 100%. the better, you know, people, the better. Um, and that there's people in your life, you'll, you won't know many people for 20 years, for 30 years. So the people in that you have in your life that you've done that long, you should never cut them out. Um, but you should just know. And at a certain point, all of those failures and all of that shit will really have been worth it. Um, when you wake up and you're working on a project that you're passionate about, like the greatest example of it is I'm sure when we were young, we all had friends who had like clothing companies, t-shirt companies. Um, and you'll see that people will be much more inclined to buy a $300 Gucci t-shirt than their boy's $30 t-shirt. Um, why? I don't necessarily know. When I see that one is, start a company, I buy 20 units. I don't even care what it is. I was, I was the kid in high school that had, I had two projects in high school. My high school was one, I went to, I went to Loyola. So they're all, all, they're all Italian Irish boys. Everybody speaks mostly English. Nobody really cared for French. So in French class, we had to read about three to five books per year. So my business, I had two. One was making French notes and I would sell them a, a detailed short package notes to every single student and they wouldn't, they wouldn't just, they wouldn't buy the book. So they didn't need to. So I was making money like that reoccurring every year and every book. And my second one was movies back then we didn't have limeware. Well, we had these things, but nobody was aware of downloading movies and burning them on DVD. So what did I do? I had everything and I would just sell them five dollars a pop. Super I, illegal. <laughs> I was back then. I cut I the like, mic. Edit no, that this is 10 years. This is a decade ago. They can't do nothing no more. Spark, spark, spark notes. It's a, a decade. But, it's over a but, decade but, ago. I but I this. think, but I think it also comes down to like there. There's. I saw an interesting little uh, description on Instagram, like one of those motivational things. It was talking about status and authenticity, and I think that's what Evan you're referring to is. You know, guy buys a three hundred dollar Gucci belt. What is he actually buying it for? It's probably for status, right? The reality is. The people that are the most happy I find and the most successful that I've realized are the ones that are just like, I've got a peace of mind. I've got, you know, multiple, few businesses here. I've got investments. I've got, you know, family. And they're just worried about like themselves. They're not looking to impress other people. So I guess maybe like if you could share one thing, one little lesson or one piece of advice sort of with the listeners, what's, what's that one piece of advice? You're capable of achieving any of your goals. The point being, you and only you are the only obstacle standing in your way. Yep. Why can't you learn Chinese? Why don't you well, know Chinese? Well, because right now I'm not paying attention. I'm not doing the work to learn Chinese. Because, you know, we don't want to take the time to learn Chinese. You know, at the end of the day, you can pull it off. You can do anything. You could literally do anything. You could be 26 years old, go back to school to become a doctor. That's completely at your own discretion. The only thing that's stopping you is you. 
there's a psychology. So I, I just, I'm almost done writing a book. I'm in the beta phase right now, readers. And literally, I talk about how the system at the root of our entire system, whether you're looking at the economy, the government, the people, the individual, we, our own individual personality, our own psychology is literally reflected. It's reflected in every aspect of what we're looking at. So if our psychology is what dictates the entire landscape of things, that alone and the mass, the, 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 the extraordinary size of what we've established as human beings, that alone should be enough to demonstrate that your psychology dictates your outcome. If you think accordingly, if you do the things, you will yield the results you want. If you don't know people, meet people. If you don't have money, go make money. That's it. It's a data game. Like I really, really, I rate it to data. At the end of the day, the more people you meet, the more variables you have in, in your, uh, in, under your belt, the more experiences and the more failures you have, the more variables and data you've collected. It becomes easier to establish a probable outcome after because you have more data accumulated. Rational mindset. That, that's it. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Human. That's I think. <laughs> humans have to, to fire right now. <laughs> humans, uh, people don't. It's crazy because people seem to think that a human is just some sort of mindless walking around that just consumes whatever the hell it wants. No, there's a reason everything exists. Like you said, right? Gucci charges three hundred bucks. It's a brand premium. If you take away the Gucci name, it goes back to twenty dollars. But people want to pay the brand premium. Why? Because you just want to pay what everybody else wants to pay. But if you're trying to look for utility, just go look for the $20 thing. It does the same exact thing. You're the only cause to all your problems. 100%. All right, guys. <laughs> Evan, you're, you're definitely crushing it, man. Um, where can the listeners uh, find your website and your platform? I'm, I imagine you guys are live right now. You guys are obviously, uh, uh, the user growth has obviously increased, right? So you, where, where can the gamers, where can the followers find you? So we're, we're currently running our beta platform. You can check it out at hypex.gg. Free to register, very simplified platform. If you have any feedback, hop into our Discord. You can send me a message direct on LinkedIn, Instagram, anywhere you find my name. Right to the Always source. Always happy to talk. Right to the source. Love it, man. That's true. I would love, hey, by the way, Evan, I would love to meet you and your team just to get to know more about what you guys are doing. You come by the office anytime. We're right on the water. Chateau Saint Amboise, grab a drink. Perfect. Perfect. Talk about the future. Lachine Canal. Evan, thanks so much for coming on, man. Keep crushing it. And uh, we'll see everyone next week. Stay Thank safe. You. Thanks.